Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Supervalue Insurance. Offering sound advice for your car, home and travel insurance needs. Now as I introduce my next guest, have a listen to this classic from the Commune Arts. Such a great song. Well, the Reverend Richard Coles was one half of the 1980s pop duo The Communards, along with the incredible Jimmy Somerville. Richard went on to become a vicar, a BBC Radio 4 presenter, a contestant on Strictly, and a regular on TV panel shows. He's also an author and a fan of the Dublin Gaelic football team. Reverend Richard Coles, good morning to you. You're coming to Dublin in January with your show, Borderline National Trinket. What is a borderline national trinket, Richard? <laughs> Well, somebody once described me as in danger of becoming a national treasure in front of my late husband, David, who was from Manchester. And like most people from Manchester, he had low tolerance for airs and graces. So through gritted teeth, he conceded that there might be a borderline national trinket. So it's unpacking the story of how you get to be one of those. That's my show. And is it Richard Party as well? Is it part of being able to stay in the public eye for so long, which you have? Or is it down to having you so many different strings to your bows? I suppose so. Dogged determination to jump into a spotlight wherever it falls, I suppose. Um, That was in evidence from very young when I was six years old when my mother had her knitted natter group round. I used to perform dances to my bonnie lights over the ocean wearing a bedspread, which I think put them off their coffee and biscuits. But you can't can't keep a trooper down, Miriam. Absolutely. And look, that beautiful song there. Take me back for a moment to your time in the communards. You were both icons for a lot of young gay men at the time. How important was that culturally in the 80s? Well, I think it was really important, actually. I mean, we were part of a new generation of gay runaways who kind of left, well, in my case, I left a little town in the Midlands, Jimmy Somerville's case, he left Glasgow. And we made landfall in London when London was accessible to the young and the poor. And we formed a little band, we formed a little gang, and uh, we decided we were going to live our livable life. We weren't going to wait to be asked to do that, and we were going to do it without compromise. And so we did. And like lots of gay people who find their livable life in the city, a lot of that happened on dance floors. So music was a big part of what we did. And I was just very lucky that I managed to hitch my wagon to Jimmy, who just happened to have one of the most distinctive voices and talents of that period. And the world changed an awful lot in the 80s. And in England, I think Index on Social Attitudes, in 1980, 80% of people thought gay relationships were always wrong. Ten years later, 1990, that had shrunk to 20%. So big change. And of course, you were an atheist for most of the time during the communards, but becoming a vicar, it didn't really go with the pop star image. So how did you, Richard, reconnect with your faith? Well, it wasn't really a reconnection with faith. It was reconnection with the world I'd grown up in. I was a chorister when I was a kid, Miriam, and like lots of people who have careers in music in England, it started for me in a church choir. So I knew the lie of the land, as it were. But I never believed any of it at all. I started the Chapel Choir Atheist Club when I was eight. So, you know. Um, But I think at the end of my 20s, which was a turbulent time, I wanted to connect with it again. I wasn't sure why, but I did. And then when I did connect with it again, it sort of all of a sudden became lively and challenging and interesting and compelling. And I've been trying to do it ever since. And, you know, did your sexuality, did it ever conflict with you being a reverend? I mean, were there some people in the church who didn't like you talking about it? 
Oh, yeah. But I mean, the important thing is I've never felt for a second that God had any issue with me being gay or that God here had any issue with me wanting to be happy and be gay, if you see what I mean. So that was yeah. never a, a, a sort of serious problem at all. Attitudes of others were much more mixed than I expected, really, because, you know, people in the church don't live um, in a hermetically sealed world. They live in the wider world with the rest of us where you can see gay people forming relationships and getting on with their lives happily just like everybody else. And after a while, you just think, well, there seems to be nothing wrong with this, so we should maybe just get behind it rather than resist it. Of course, you wrote really movingly in your memoir about grief and the death of your husband, David. You mentioned him earlier when we were chatting. He was only in his early 40s when he died. Where does that grief sit with you now, Richard? Well, it's um, it's an issue. It's his birthday today, so it's a particularly poignant day for me. Um, it sits there in the middle of my life. It's a big absence. It's a big hole. People, well-intentioned people, sometimes think that the job is for you to kind of fill the hole somehow. But you don't fill the hole. I don't want to fill the hole because he was a unique and irreplaceable person. And I loved him like, like nobody else. So the challenge is to find a life that you can live around it, really. And for the past three and a half years since he died, that's what, what I've been doing. And I've done that supported by my family and my friends. And I'm I never thought this would happen. I met somebody new a year ago and um, and I'm living a, a different sort of life. But he will never be anything other than, you know, at the centre of it. Oh, it's so lovely, though, you have met someone else. Now, listen, yeah. you have Irish connections and I know you're a fan of our Dublin Gaelic football team. Like, are you a real fan or is it just a passing interest? <laughs> well, I'm actually a Bars fan, strictly speaking. So I've got Irish family in Cork Fine. and in Dublin. So my first team is Bars, but um, in a final with Dublin and Kerry, of course, it's Dublin. That's my second team. And uh, I and I'm not a part. I am a I'm a proper fan. I introduced Gaelic football to the Downland villages of East Sussex because the BBC showed it live this year. So I got the neighbours round, and we had a fantastic time. And listen, tell me what people can now expect if they go to your show in Liberty Hall in January. Are there parts of your life that are out of bounds? What can they expect? Absolutely nothing is out of bounds, actually. So the first half is me trying to unpack what a borderline national trinket has to do to get there. But I'm sort of walking through the last 40 years, and lots of the audience have walked through that 40 years too. So there's a real feeling of, I don't know, camaraderie, which is great. Then in the second half, I take questions from the audience, and it's driven by that. And uh, we try to sort of um, work out how that story goes and what it says about the world we've all shared, really. Well, look, Reverend Richard Coles, thank you so much for chatting to me today. And you can catch your stage show in Liberty Hall on January the 25th next. And all details are on richardcoles.com. Thanks for taking the time, Richard, to talk to me this morning. Thanks, Miriam. Hope your cold gets better soon. Thank you very much. We'll take a break. (laughs) Thanks, Richard. Sunday with Miriam. Listen back on the RTE Radio Player.